Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What are electric vehicles? What would it take to actually implement these vehicles? And how would that implementation affect the trucking industry? Well, we'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. So I was recently in Los Angeles and my brother owns an F-150. My family was together and we were looking for a gas station. And that is when I had an experience that a lot of people across America are having. And that's pulling into a gas station and realizing that in some places, gas prices are upwards of $6. I looked at my brother and I was like, good luck with that, bro. I'm here for all of the emotional support you need. But this has brought up a bigger question in our country. And that's a conversation of, are these gas prices leading to more electric vehicles? And why aren't we driving more of them? With that, though, comes questions like, what's the affordability of going electric? And what about the infrastructure? Is it expensive? What about the trucking industry? Then there's hydrogen electric vehicles. Is that different? Well, I know a guy who might have the answers, and his name is Angelo Caffenteris. He's the CEO of Hyperion Motors, and he joins me now. Angelo, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Abby. Yeah, um, well, I appreciate you coming on to talk about this topic because it's something that has become a lot more relevant as of late, just because the gas prices are so high, we're talking about the environment, things like that. So let's just start off with how do electric vehicles work? Okay, so first, let me give a little bit about my background, because while I am an expert in electric vehicles, I'm more specifically an expert in hydrogen electric vehicles. So traditional battery electric vehicles, as people commonly know them, things like a a Tesla uh, or another type of battery electric car from, let's say, General Motors, uh, these are are battery vehicles that are using lithium-ion batteries to store energy. Uh, You'll charge these vehicles uh, at your home or, of course, at a a fast charge station. And uh, through a network of, uh, you know, stations across the country, um, you know, the, the value proposition is essentially... Uh, a clean alternative to internal combustion engines, uh, which are inefficient. Um, and then you essentially can, uh, you know, sort of piggyback off of that to some of the other benefits, which is added torque, um, you know, uh, added, uh, I guess, comfort if you don't want to deal with, the, you know, a lot of noise when you're driving. And so these are really some of the benefits of electric vehicles. And these electric vehicles can be broken down into battery electric, which is what we described, and then hydrogen electric, which is more in line with what I specifically do and and how that's all connected. 
Okay, great. I, I want to kind of get into both of those because I think it's important for people to know that there is a difference and we can utilize that energy in different ways. So how um, you mentioned internal combustion engines, how does yes. that differ from uh, battery electric or hydroelectric vehicles? So an internal combustion engine is going to take uh, a hydrocarbon, which actually is hydrogen and carbon together, daisy chain in a, a sort of a complex molecule, and it's going to combust it using oxygen as the oxidizer coming from the air. Uh, you'll have, you know, traditionally a system of pistons uh, creating that moving power. There's going to be exhaust, which is going to be the carbon. Um, and sometimes you'll notice in the exhaust of uh, internal combustion, there's a little bit of water, actually. And that's, that's part of the hydrogen, because whenever uh, you actually burn hydrogen, you do get a little bit of water as well. Uh, H2O and oxygen. So um, the way that a internal combustion engine works is, you know, traditional for the last 120 years. Uh, I think people are pretty familiar with that. Um, and the way a battery engine works or battery, uh, I guess, pack would work is you'll have an electric motor uh, sort of connected to a battery pack. That battery pack will be rated to a certain uh, kilowatt hours. So that, that will determine how long your range is. In the early stages of uh, battery electric vehicles, uh, there was a lot of range anxiety because the range was is not as would be expected in internal combustion. So where you normally get between 350 miles range uh, plus on internal combustion, you were getting like 100 miles range on a battery electric vehicle. So over the years, th those uh, those ranges have increased. Uh, costs have come down for battery electric vehicles, um, but there are still challenges. For example, uh, if you were to charge a battery electric vehicle, every time you're to charge it, um, you know, even if it's a fast charge, there's going to be some degradation to the battery specifically. Uh, and that is just like your cell phone. You know, whenever you leave your, your cell phone out in the sun, uh, it could get really hot and then your, your battery life is sort of at risk. See, batteries don't like to be, um, you know, very hot or very cold. They like to be sort of this perfect temperature. And so battery technology works really well in the West Coast, but not so much in the, you know, sort of Midwest and the East Coast um, of the country. Um, and so battery technology does have its limitations. And this is where uh, technologies like hydrogen come in and really sort of capitalize on those differences. For example, hydrogen, instead of having an eight-hour overnight charge, you can do a very, very fast three-minute charge. Um, for hydrogen and you do it just like you would go at a station you, you for you know pop the cap off you, you put your nozzle on and three to five minutes you're on your way and so hydrogen is a, it's an interesting difference where it's going to use a fuel cell uh, to take the electrons stored within the hydrogen molecule itself and separate it uh, so that you have a byproduct of water so your byproduct in the fuel cell vehicle is going to be water um, and then you also get that same uh, torque from the electric motor so i think people really like electric cars because of that torque um, and it's all about ha having ways to sort of offset sort of the downsides, like long charge times, like the uh, ability to uh, to recharge at different time uh, parts of the country that are colder than others. This is where sort of hydrogen has its benefit. Hydrogen doesn't need to be uh, perfect temperature. It can be very, very cold. It can be very, very hot. It works just the same. Um, and so there are some other benefits, for example, uh, range. Um, so, for example, uh, our company, uh, I'm the CEO at Hyperion. And one of our vehicles that we make actually gets over a thousand miles range. So we really wanted to showcase the differentiation of uh, the benefits of a hydrogen electric vehicle compared to a battery electric vehicle with that particular um, uh, product. And that's called the XP1. That um, is really interesting. Um, I'm just going to jump in really quickly because I wanted to follow up on something that you said. Um, you said, you know, electric vehicles where it may have to charge overnight. Hydrogen vehicles can charge up three to five minutes and you're off. Um, that's right. You 
you explained it, but if you could just break that down further in kind of like a layman's terms, um, how a hydrogen electric vehicle uses that energy as opposed to um, what we have, you know, in, um, you know, the a battery electric battery electric. Yes. Yeah. Right. So the, the correct acronym is FCEV for fuel cell electric vehicle and BEV for battery electric vehicle. But I know that's really um, uh, confusing to a lot of people. And so it'd be great to sort of clarify that for, for a lot of folks and listeners on the show. So to, to break it down, for a battery electric vehicle, it's going to do a charge overnight. Uh, it will take uh, eight hours depending on, on the power going in. You could also technically do a fast charge, um, very, very high voltage. The challenge with the high voltage fast charge, which could take, you know, uh, 25 minutes, uh, is that it will get your batteries very, very hot and it will uh, basically uh, limit the life of the battery. But the difference in the chemistry essentially is those lithium ions are being charged, right, uh, with your actual uh, home outlet. The difference with a, uh, a fuel cell electric vehicle is it's actually a gas. It's a hydrogen gas that's being put into your car uh, at pressure. And uh, because it's a, a gaseous form, it fills up very, very fast uh, and allows you to really, really have a quick refuel. And the, the added benefit is because hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe and the lightest element that we know, it's lighter than air. So you can actually have a full tank of gas uh, and it weighs very, very, very little. And that's one of the problems with battery electric vehicles because they're so heavy. Batteries are extremely heavy. They're like 1,350 pounds on a lot of these battery electric vehicles. You have to lug around that weight. And anybody who, you know, uh, is a fan of uh, Newton means, you know, force uh, equals mass times acceleration. You're, you're basically uh, going to have a challenge moving around all that mass because, uh, because it needs a lot of energy. So uh, with, a, with a hydrogen electric vehicle, because it's so lightweight, you have the same benefit of getting the, the same power out of that uh, fuel cell engine um, and then also not having the, the, the penalty of the high weight. And the difference is instead of putting ions uh, uh, in your, your battery pack, you're actually just putting molecules in your tank, just like you'd be putting molecules in your internal combustion engine tank. And you'll see, you still have a tank in a hydrogen electric vehicle. And the way that it's going to take the, uh, the power out of that is not by combustion, uh, like it is in internal combustion, uh, but also but, but by passing it through a fuel cell electric vehicle or fuel cell um, uh, uh, engine, essentially. It's a module, but it can be thought of as an engine. And that's going to take the electrons out of the hydrogen powering your actual motors. So the electrons are what then fuel the the car? Yes. So the electrons yeah. power the electric motors. And so you basically, the more hydrogen you pass through this fuel cell stack, uh, the more power you get out of it, right? And so you want to you know, pass a lot of hydrogen through when it mix it with oxygen, when it comes out on the back end, and it turns to water. So basically, it's marrying the hydrogen on one end uh, with uh, oxygen on the back end. And then it turns it into water as a byproduct. And this whole transition uh, is basically creating electricity. And so you're basically, imagine you've got um, a fuel cell stack, which you can think about like a loaf of bread. That loaf of bread has peanut butter and jelly in between each thing. Those are the catalysts. That catalyst is actually made of uh, platinum and a lot of other different materials as well. It reacts to the hydrogen. And that hydrogen now uh, is essentially splitting its molecular form back into its atomic form and releasing what held them together, which was an atom. So you're basically mm. taking that electron that's coming off of that molecule and you're powering your electric motors. Correct. Got it. Okay. So I guess what I'm wondering then is we have all of this talk saying, you know, if people want to, people want to transition to electric vehicles because of the environment, things like that. Um, 
why don't we all just go to hydroelectric vehicles then? Well, I want to clarify that terminology because it is a little misleading to say hydroelectric because hydroelectric is actually technically like taking a dammed, uh, a dammed river and, and turning that into mechanical power and then turning that into electric power. Um, so hydrogen electric would be, would be the correct term. And, and to repeat your question, why don't we all just drive hydrogen vehicles? Um, well, I'll tell you, it's because uh, the infrastructure necessary for there to be hydrogen at every gas station will be a challenge. Whereas everybody has uh, electric in their home, let, let's say that they get from their wall, uh, they can actually take that electric and charge a battery electric vehicle. It's difficult to do that with hydrogen because you actually need that hydrogen gas. And so what Hyperion is, is, is uh, trying to do here is solve that problem. We're trying to solve the infrastructure uh, issue that there is. Basically, it's a chicken or the egg problem. If there's a lot of stations and not a lot of cars, there's no incentive to build these stations. And if there's a lot of uh, cars but no stations, nobody's going to have a place to fill up. Mm. So the, the best way to move forward is what they've been done in actually California. We're, we're located in Orange, California. We have a manufacturing facility in central Ohio. But the best way to do it is to build them in tandem. And so I actually drive a hydrogen electric vehicle, and it's a wonderful experience. It's a very, very fast refuel. Um, but I do know the challenges are that there's just not that many hydrogen stations out there. And so we're, we have a solution with our technology that allows you to effectively um, give a person more flexibility to how they, how they charge their hydrogen electric vehicle. So to answer your question, why are we driving hydrogen cars? It's because there's not a lot of hydrogen out there. And also because we want to make this technology more affordable for people, which is what we're actively doing as well. So we're making fuel cell modules or fuel cell engines, however you want to look at them, as cheap as possible so we can bring this technology to the masses. Um, but there's more things we can do with hydrogen, which we can get to in a little bit. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I, I'm just kind of looking at the current state of the country, and we obviously are experiencing these extremely high gas prices. Um, it's not only it's a whole other topic. It's not only just a problem in cars, but a problem people can't heat their homes, things like that. But I remember I was recently in L.A., and I drove past a gas station, and I saw the gas prices, and it was upwards of $6.30. And I was like, there is no way you can be driving around with these kind of gas prices. So then that comes the conversation of, all right, well, if we are to, you know, implement more electric vehicles, that would solve a lot of problems, right? But I guess if we're going to bring it back just to the general conversation of electric vehicles as a whole, why is that a challenge right now to make that transition because you know you, you had mentioned that there aren't as many resources to fill up your hydrogen electric vehicle but isn't that kind of the same case with electric vehicles i, I do we have the infrastructure to be able to do that and the resources great question and, and you bring up a few interesting points so 
Uh, number one, you are correct. There's not a lot of hydrogen, I'm sorry, not a lot of battery electric vehicle charging stations uh, out there. There, There is an infrastructure network that has been built by one automaker. Um, but, uh, you know, there is a plan within this sort of build back better uh, uh, infrastructure uh, plan to build more charging stations for not just battery vehicles, but also hydrogen vehicles. So I think that's a, it's a challenge that's being addressed. But yes, you are right. Um, it is not an ideal situation. The real issue right now is if you if you own a home, if you have a place to have a you know a forty amp charger in your house, you can have you know a fancy battery electric car. But if you don't have that with you, it is a, it is a challenge. So you know you really want to make electric cars uh, cheaper for the masses and give people more charging options. And that's uh, going to take some time uh, because ideally you want to be able to have a similar system we have now where a person can leave their apartment. They don't have a place to park the car. Otherwise, uh, they'll leave their apartment, they park on the street. They go to a station. They can do a, a quick charge on a battery or a quick charge on a hydrogen vehicle and be on their way. But that infrastructure is going to take time. A bigger question would be, Abby, is, is the reason why gas prices are so high instead of being, uh, you know, sort of reactive. What about looking at the initial cause? And that is basically a geopolitical situation that we're in right now uh, with Russia uh, and with other countries that uh, are not as friendly to the United States. And the challenge there is a lot of the natural resources that it takes to create these battery electric vehicles like lithium uh, ions uh, or lithium ion batteries and lithium itself are mined in these uh, areas that are so friendly to, to the United States. And so I think a bigger question is how can we have a system that doesn't rely so heavily on outside sources of these raw materials? And this is one of the benefits, I think, of hydrogen and that you can have essentially your whole ecosystem built in the United States without having to rely on a lot of lithium ion uh, and build all, all your, your infrastructure internally using just water to convert to hydrogen. And that would be the greenest way to get hydrogen is actually, uh, whereas the byproduct of a fuel cell engine is water, you can actually have that same uh, ending chemical water and turn it right back into hydrogen, which is essentially what uh, we do here at Hyperion through electrolysis. And so that I think is a better way uh, to provide fuel is by basically having a system where we can convert water to hydrogen. We don't rely so heavily on uh, lithium ion and essentially we can uh, be more self uh, I guess, uh, directing in terms of our, our goals here in America. Right. Um, I will make a quick note. It, it definitely, um, there are more reasons why the gas prices are higher than just the issues with Russia right now. That's a whole nother conversation, but um, I, I do have a question on lithium ion batteries because my mind goes to, um, look, I, I also show about national parks. I would love to do everything that we can to protect the environment and, you know, make it, make it the best that we can. Um, and then my, my mind immediately went to lithium ion batteries because how do you dispose of those at the end of the day? Um, how does that work? So you bring up all the problems with, with uh, lithium ion, and this is, these are the reasons why we're in the hydrogen business. We're not really huge fans of, of uh, battery electric vehicles as they currently are. Um, so the problem with lithium, not only is it a challenge from a natural resources perspective, like we already mentioned, it's also a challenge from when you're mining it itself, it's very polluted to the environment, which is not great. And then in addition to that, the, the disposal of this uh, is a challenge. I'll tell, I'll tell you why. Um, Leaders of these big tech companies that do battery electric vehicles will brag that it's recyclable, but what they don't tell you is that to recycle it is actually really, 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 really cost prohibitive. 
Um, and so what they'll end up doing with these battery packs that have uh, sort of gone through, you know, 50% capacity because it's been used uh, so much uh, is they'll recycle them by putting them in, in other buildings for backup power. Uh, so some more stationary power backup. That's sort of how they have a second life. But uh, the challenge then becomes what happens whenever they reach, you know, 10% capacity or less than that. And what do you do with all this, this, this lithium? Well, um, first of all, it, you have to take apart, you know, these thousands upon thousands of cells, very, very small cells inside this battery. You have to effectively unroll these, these chemistries. Then you have to treat these chemistries. And this is a real problem. And uh, what we're trying to avoid um, I know your podcast is about electric vehicles in general, but we're trying to have a better solution to battery electric vehicles. We're trying to have a solution where you don't have to worry about recyclability so much with, with thousands upon thousands you know, per car of lithium ion battery uh, that you have to recycle. We're looking at a much lighter system with fuel cells that do not require this insane cost to recycle. That is a solution that people can uh, more, I guess, conveniently, uh, I guess, get behind because they're used to the practice of going to a station, filling up and going about their business at a very short period of time. So for us, we see the same challenges that you are identifying. And it's actually the reason why we've gone in the direction of hydrogen fuel cells. This is interesting, Angelo, because I mean, the idea of an electric vehicle sounds great, right? I mean, you are driving, you're not polluting the environment, you can just charge up the station, but there are challenges. So it sounds like you guys kind of have an alternative to that where you do address some of those problems. Um, That's right. So I, I appreciate that conversation because, um, you know, I, I love to play devil's advocate because every time there's something that's good that can happen, you have to be like, okay, but what are the challenges and how do we overcome those challenges? That's how you become successful, right? Exactly. Um, and there's so, actually another challenge that I really just want to mention really quickly if I could. Yeah. Is that is it, it feels green to the driver because they plug it into their home and they're getting an electric uh, uh, charge for their battery electric vehicle and they feel like they're helping the environment but they don't see the mining that it's, it's costing, right? They also don't see where their electricity is coming from. And uh, seven times out of 10 or more, it's not coming from solar, right? It's, it's coming from coal for the central part of the country. It's coming from nuclear for other parts of the country. And it's coming from natural gas. And natural gas was actually sort of a progressive thing uh, a few years ago, but it, it, it is polluted. And so they're going to actually use natural gas uh, to burn, right, burning natural gas, to turn a turbine, to, uh, to, to create, a, uh, to turn a generator, rather, to turn electricity fr from this natural gas, and then to put that electricity on the grid. And that entire process actually takes 65% of the energy away and still pollutes 35% of what you normally get from, from burning coal. So it is very pollutive. And these people who drive these battery electric vehicles, they think that they're doing something good for the environment, but it's actually not green when you take a step back behind the, the home to where electricity is actually coming from. And so these are some of the issues that people, they look at it from one side, they don't look at it from the other side. And you have to look at the entire picture. And for us, when you look at a hydrogen solution, you can actually create hydrogen very, very easily from water uh, through a process called electrolysis using wind and solar and distribute it very easily to uh, in a centralized form to a large group of people and refuel cars in three minutes, three to five minutes. So it's, it's, a, it's a green solution that is zero emissions that's converting water to hydrogen. And then when it's done, uh, basically powering your car, it turns right back into water. So it's a closed sort of cycle that is very, very convenient uh, for drivers and for us. We think that when you want to look at a problem, it, it look, if it looks pretty, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just half of it. You've got to make it work in a, in a holistic view. And for us, hydrogen fuel cells are the only way to make you know, uh, electric vehicles viable in the complete package. 
Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, I love that you say that. You kind of have to look at the whole problem because I think a lot of us, we all want the solution, right? I mean, I think we, in our country in general, again, this is, I'm getting on a tangent, but um, this is a whole other conversation, but I feel like we all want similar things. We want good for the environment. We want everyone to be happy. We, we want this, all, everything, but everyone has kind of a different way of thinking about what the solution is. So if you look at electric vehicles, you see some of the challenges, even though in theory, everything sounds great, but then you look at hydrogen electric vehicles um, and you bring up a lot of solutions to the problems that might face an electric vehicle. Um, So I guess for you then, my question would be, what is the challenge for you guys as a company to get this out on the market in a broader scale where everyone is, instead of the conversation saying, hey, we need to go electric, we go, hey, we need to go hydrogen electric. Yeah, that's a great question. So for us, it's the chicken or the egg situation, right? Mm-hmm. We want to tell the story of hydrogen, right? We want people to understand the benefits of it. We built a really exciting car that tells, you know, zero to 60 and, you know, 2.2 seconds top speed over 200 miles an hour, like a really sexy car that, that does a great job of telling the story of the benefits of hydrogen can refill in, in, in five minutes and gets a thousand miles range. You know, really, really great things. The, the challenge is the stations, right? The stations are extremely expensive. You know, a gasoline station can cost between 500,000 and 800,000. And that's a, a good profit for a person who's trying to start a business. When you look into a, a fuel cell, you know, electric vehicle and a hydrogen station, you're looking at between two and 0.5 million and like 4.5 million per station. And that is really, really expensive. And so what we have focused on, actually the car was just part of our story. What we focused on was having a refueling solution that is very low in cost that can be deployed in a multitude of places across the country and provide that, that much needed infrastructure for ourselves and for all the other fuel cell electric vehicles that are already on the road today, which there are actually uh, three companies doing that today. And so we want to be able to contribute to the solution of infrastructure. And that is actually our primary goal at Hyperion is solving this infrastructure problem. The car is just the way that we tell the story. And so I'm so glad you asked that question because the car aspect is one way, but you have to look at it from the other perspective, which is what can you really do holistically, which is this infrastructure piece. Um, and there's actually even more you can do, which we can talk about a little bit later. Okay. Well, I mean, I do want to get into that for sure. I feel like we, we need to define a little bit more um, just in the, I keep, I want to keep talking about hydrogen electric vehicles for sure, but I, I do want to paint a broader picture about electric vehicles and sure. um, you know, kind of, how that works in general. And if, and if you want to go into hydrogen electric vehicles on top of that, that would be great because I, I do want to see every side of it. Um, so I guess like when I think about a vehicle, I think about oil, I think about transmissions, do electric vehicles have both of those? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on which electric vehicle you're looking at, but um, there will be a transmission for a, an electric vehicle that wants to go a higher top speed. But most electric vehicles that are out there have like a single speed uh, motor, which is really just, you know, one speed transmission. And so you don't have as complex a system of gearing um, and then more power on the low end. When it c- comes to oil, there is no oil. Um, uh, there are, uh, of course, lubricants that are used for some of the motors. Um, but uh, the way that you are, are looking at oil as a, you know, a massive uh, system of lubrication does not exist on a, uh, a normal electric vehicle. So it is a, a much simpler approach. Electric vehicles have the benefit of being really, really simple uh, compared to uh, you know internal combustion where you have in an engine alone, thousands upon thousands of parts. You're looking at over 3,000 parts 
in internal combustion system, uh, the car entirely, and, you know, in the uh, multitudes uh, of smaller uh, amount of parts for a battery and fuel cell electric vehicle. So you have this real benefit of simplicity. When you take apart um, a, uh, and we've done this, when you take apart electric vehicles, you'll find they, they look more like a cell phone inside. Uh, there's a lot of, of chips. Uh, there's a lot of modules for, for converting uh, power. There's the batteries themselves. And then there's the motors. Uh, whereas if you were to take apart internal combustion, you have your main centralized power plant, uh, you know, diverting, uh, you know, uh, rotational energy from the front of the vehicle to oftentimes the back of the vehicle, transmissions and transaxles that'll divert that energy again to each wheel. So it is a more complex system for sure. And in this transition that we're looking at and getting, whether it's hydrogen, whether it's battery electrics, this uh, transition is actually going to eliminate a lot of these suppliers that are, you know, of global suppliers in, the, in this country and everywhere else that have been making you know, uh, transaxles, they've been making parts that are only or spark plugs, uh, intake manifolds, exhaust manifolds, all these complex pieces, there's all these uh, specialists out there. And eventually these things are going to, uh, you know, be sort of phased out. And so it is a much simpler system, but we, we also want to look at the broader picture of how is this going to affect the economy of all these these companies that once made, you know, intake manifolds are no longer here. And, and the truth is they all need to convert into this new wave of technology, which is going to be a battery electrics and hydrogen electric vehicles. So they could be essentially growing with this new industry. I see. I, I have kind of, um, I hate saying like, I have a dumb question, but I feel like it's a pretty dumb question, but, but it's one that I want to ask when it comes to hydrogen electric vehicles. Um, I think about water and then, you know, something that's causing electricity, but also the way that a car runs. How do you manage um, the safety of using water in a car so that it doesn't shut down the whole entire system? Like if if a car was to drive into a pond, it's no longer going to work. How do you make that work with water, essentially? First off, no dumb questions. So uh, (laughs) I appreciate you asking that. I get excited when I hear a new question. This is the first time I've been asked this. So this is fun for me. Um, so you're asking, you know, you're thinking traditionally, like if you were to drop your cell phone into your toilet or your bathtub, obviously it's going to stop working. And yeah, you're thinking it's happened about, to me before, Angelo. I, I can speak from experience. <laughs> same here. Same here. <laughs> uh, but but basically, um, my, my point is that 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 problem doesn't necessarily exist uh, so much because you're looking at um, a large vat of water. Where what we're looking at is the water component of a hydrogen uh, fuel cell electric vehicle is only on the exhaust portion, right? So the the fuel is coming in as hydrogen. It it gets, you know, recombined with oxygen after it's gone through its process. Uh, And because of that, it turns back into water, right? And that water now uh, will be in in, in vapor form uh, and it will be basically coming out of the exhaust. And so there really is no water management issues as it relates to electronics because they actually uh, are going to be out of the car uh, by the time it's passed through its cycle. If that helps you answer your question. That definitely helps to answer my question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's curious because if all of us, you know, don't come from necessarily a scientific background and we don't know exactly how the things work inside of the cars. So I, I love just hearing about how everything functions, um, yeah. you know, the start to finish and, and how we get it to actually go. Um, Angela, I, I would love um, if, if there's anything else you want to say about um, the impact of electric vehicles, where we need to go from here. I'd love to hear that. Okay. 
Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, so I would say for the future of electric vehicles, you know, we as a country need to decide like what we want to use transportation for, right? Is transportation going to be in a ride sharing stance from, where people move away from purchasing their own vehicle? Are driver vehicles going to be something that people want to continue to have a vehicle that they enjoy driving themselves and have total control? What is going to be the migration of automobiles in this country and also, you know, globally? Uh, cars are such a uh, an amazing part of uh, you know American history, and we have some some great uh, uh, you know products out there that we've we've put particularly in the fifties and sixties in that jet inspired age. Um, but where are we going to go as a nation and as a country uh, globally from here? And I think that if the future is electric, which I think we can all agree uh, is the most efficient way to go forward, how can we make it as uh, efficient holistically as possible. And so I think that um, if you want a small electric vehicle uh, that doesn't get a lot of you know range, um, but is definitely simple, I think battery electrics do a pretty good job. But if you want a car that has massive rangeability, can refuel very quickly, uh, and has some flexibility with how you drive it, um, I think, and where you drive it, I think that hydrogen really is the future. And you know, I wouldn't be doing uh, this, uh, you know, this enterprise that I'm in if I didn't believe that wholeheartedly. So. I believe that hydrogen is going to play a huge impact, not just for automotive, but also for energy storage uh, uh, methodologies in general. For example, there's all this wind and solar that comes in at irregular times uh, in our country, and we have no way of storing it long term because it's too expensive to use, uh, you know, lithium ion batteries. Um, so, you know, we have solutions that are already in place that people have been working on for a long time uh, that can take that electric energy, they can turn it into, you know, hydrogen, they can store mass quantities very, very cheaply, and they can distribute that hydrogen, not just for automotive uses, but for the creation, for example, of ammonia, uh, for, for pesticides, for the creation of, of hydrogen, for refining other uh, petroleum products, uh, for the, the, the use of hydrogen to heat up, for example, steel. You know, there's all these different uses of hydrogen that we like, just uh, not just on cars, but, but energy storage and industrial gases. It's a massive energy uh, industry. And we think that, you know, revamping our entire energy, energy industry is necessary. And we like hydrogen because it has the ability to do that. And so I guess, you know, what I want to say for electric vehicles is there's a bright future for electric vehicles. We just got to, you know, make sure we're going in the right direction. And for, for us at Hyperion, we believe that hydrogen electric vehicles are truly the future. Angelo, I work in TV and I, you know, I have my blow dryer, I have my curling iron and, and there have been times when I've been in my bathroom and I've plugged both of them in at the same time and I've tried to blow dry my hair while someone else in the other room is blow drying their hair and I get a power outage um, in, in my apartment. So how do you come up with a solution to maybe charging an electric vehicle, which seems like in my mind, me who doesn't know as much as you, um, you know, that takes a lot of energy. So how do you mitigate that problem? So the, the, the problem you're describing is identical to the problem that's, that is with battery electric vehicles today. And what the problem is, when you're blow drying your hair and you blow, you're blowing a fuse, right? A fuse is, is rated for a certain amount of 
of power, right? right. When you, and a blower dryer pulls a lot of power, right? And, and so does a microwave, and so does a refrigerator. And so if you have multiple appliances plugged into the same, you know, uh, basically breaker, it's going to, to flip that breaker. And that's exactly what happens whenever uh, you have an outage. Well, the same thing happens on a larger scale with the grid. If, you know, a person on a block, let's say, has one electric vehicle and another person has another electric vehicle, that's battery, and, and that's fine. But what if happens whenever everybody on the block has a battery electric vehicle? Well, instead of having a, a small system in your home where you're going to basically flip a breaker, you actually have these substations and larger power stations that are between the centralized power of your community that also can, can pull and deliver a certain amount of power. And when you ask too much of it, you will actually have a power outage. And those outages happen a lot, especially in Southern California, where I live, uh, you will have uh, outages in Manhattan Beach and Redondo Beach, where people are plugging in their battery electric vehicles too often. And, and at the same time, which is always at night, of course, when they get back from work, and the grid is just not made to sustain that. And as a result, you know, because this grid is, is taken, you know, 50 years to build out and, and trillions of dollars, it's not so easy to just build a, a, a bigger grid. And this is one of the reasons why we love hydrogen so much is that hydrogen is made for you to go with your hydrogen car to a station and refuel. It does not pull power from the grid. And because of that, it's a sort of a self-sustained infrastructure that does not basically push another infrastructure like the, the electric grid infrastructure to the brink. And that's important because you will have people pushing power beyond their limit in examples like Texas uh, last year. And be, because of power outages, bad things can happen. People can, can lose electricity, lose heat, get very, very cold, not be able to store their food, and in some cases, unfortunately, uh, die. And this is something that we're trying to avoid, uh, of course, as a society. And so while we're building better infrastructure, we really need to think about the future and we need to think about a solution for, for battery electric and hydrogen electric that doesn't basically push other systems to the brink. So you talk about the challenges of electric vehicles, being able to charge them, taking that energy from your home, things like that. So where does hydrogen come in? What you say that um, it's sort of a self-sustained infrastructure. How exactly does a hydrogen electric vehicle work? So there is a common way to create hydrogen today uh, where you take natural gas, uh, which is CH4, and you can actually use a process called steam methane reformation and create hydrogen from natural gas and from methane, et cetera. That is a, a solution to a problem, a short-term solution to problem that we have to create hydrogen today. But what Hyperion is focusing on and what we see as a future of a hydrogen ecosystem is effectively a system whereby water is passing through an electrolyzer at a very large scale and producing large quantities of hydrogen. That hydrogen then gets effectively put into a large container, right? Imagine just a very large tank, and that can get piped to locations. So you can actually pipe it uh, like you pipe natural gas, uh, or you can actually use that to, to be distributed on a truck. Uh, so there are many ways to transport hydrogen, but what I'm referring to when I say self-sufficient station is, uh, or system is basically an ecosystem where you're taking wind and solar that is not being used because there's no way to store it because it's too expensive to store with batteries. You're turning into hydrogen. You're, you're storing megawatts and megawatts and megawatts and sometimes gigawatts of power in large quantities in kilogram form. And you can now distribute this to a network of, of stations that are throughout, you know, part of the country or region. And that is a system where you can deliver effectively solar and wind power, of which we actually have a lot in this country. You can deliver it efficiently to a hydrogen station so that it's a, it's a complete closed loop 
ecosystem of water, turning the hydrogen, turning back into water, all just using solar. And that's, that's sort of the ecosystem that I was describing. I've got a question to ask you, but right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Angelo, I'm going to put you on the spot because I love to make my guests feel uncomfortable. But uh, if, if I was the president of the United States, which is a long shot, and I don't know if anyone actually wants that. But if I was and you had the opportunity to give me, let's say, a minute long pitch um, on why we need to implement hydrogen vehicles and how we should do it, what would you tell me? I would say that hydrogen is the only solution for, for long distance travel. And a majority of the pollution in our country comes from trucking from coast to coast. And we can make a larger impact in the emissions of this country by converting the hydrogen for commercial vehicles and having that transition other hydrogen applications like passenger vehicles. And I would say effectively that hydrogen is this all around a very diverse fuel that is not just for commercial vehicles, not just for uh, passenger vehicles, but can be used to store huge amounts, gigawatts, in fact, amounts of energy for storage so that we could never have a situation like we did in Texas last year. So we can never have a situation where, where we're depending on other people's oil and we never have a situation where we have a shortage of energy. Our energy can come from green sources. Our energy can come from wind and solar and we can store it in mass, mass quantities and we can distribute it for all different types of applications. And we, I would say to, to the president, we need to build more infrastructure. We need to invest in the infrastructure. We need to build a, a network across the country of hydrogen stations for trucks and for cars to enable automakers to build more of their fuel cell electric vehicles because they have the technology. They've had it for 20 years. They're getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, cheaper. They're eventually going to get even uh, cheaper than what we have today across the board. And when that happens, we want to make sure that we're ready with an infrastructure uh, in, in place so that we don't have to depend on foreign energy ever again. Yes, I, I, I was going to drop the mic there because that was wonderful. <laughs> um, but I do have one quick follow up. I feel like a lot of people probably will agree with you. We don't want to depend on anyone for foreign energy. Um, we do love our trucking industry just because they have been the heroes with the supply chain crisis and working during COVID and all of that. So if you were to um, talk to a trucker, let's say, um, would you be able to convince them that your hydrogen electric uh, technology would be good for them still, they would still have a job. Yes, actually, that's a very interesting question. I've never been asked that. Thank you for asking. So if I were to talk to a trucker today, I'd say, first of all, they are totally necessary for the supply chain and they will always have a job, always, no matter what new technology is out there. The benefit if they're driving a hydrogen truck is they would have to stop fewer times because it's actually more energy dense and you can store a lot of it, especially with this technology that we have. And beyond that, and this is something that they're really gonna like, all their, their shifting of gears, you know, they have to go through like, you know, 13 gears sometimes to make it up a hill and get the right, you know, uh, stages. All that can go away because the motors powering a fuel cell electric truck, like a class eight truck, will have the torque to make it up any hill in a, in a cinch 
And uh, if they want to take it to a drag strip, they can have a whole lot of fun with their friends. So not only will they their job be there and be secure, but they will be able to haul literal <laughs> with a happy cough. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, Angela, I wish I was the president of the United States because that was a wonderful <laughs> pitch and I would have uh, I would have pushed it through right away. I appreciate <laughs> your time. I hope one day you do get in front of the president to, uh, to pitch this idea. But um, I appreciate everything you're doing and I appreciate your time coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about electric vehicles. Number one, there are multiple types of electric vehicles. For example, some electric vehicles use lithium batteries. Others use hydrogen. The difference between these two is that while a lithium battery can take up to eight hours to charge, a hydrogen battery could charge in two to three minutes. Number two, Angelo says hydrogen gas that's being put into your car allows you to have a quick refuel. It's lighter than air, so you can have a full tank of gas and it weighs very little. You don't have to carry around that weight, so you have the same benefit of getting that power. The difference between that and an electric vehicle is you're putting molecules in that tank rather than ions. And a benefit with hydrogen is that you don't have to worry about mining lithium, which could be damaging to the environment. And number three, a huge question I had was how would this affect truckers? Because they have been really the backbone of our delivery system and the supply chain that we've had in our country, especially when it comes to COVID. They've showed up to work. Here's what Angelo told me. He said, if you were to drive a hydrogen truck, you would have to stop less times and the motor would have the torque so you wouldn't have to change gears as often. So it really benefits the truckers to consider this lifestyle once we're able to implement the change. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on electric vehicles. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.